Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sophomore Citizens, Episode 1. We are so excited to be here. My name is Gigi, and I'm joined with my sister, Liesl, and my best friend, Lily. Hey, guys. Hey, y'all. Let's start out with <laughs> some introductions. Let's start with Lily. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What's your deal? Okay, so like the three of us, I am from Los Angeles, California. My deal is that I am... <laughs> a rising senior at the University of Wisconsin, and I'm just living in LA for the summer, having a lovely time with my best friends and sort of sisters. Yes, we are sort of sisters. I love that, Lily. Jeej, let's hear a little bit about what makes Gigi, Gigi. Sure. So I find myself attending California Polytechnic State University at San Luis Obispo. Wow. Wow. Um, (laughs) That's a lot of words. I, too, am a rising senior. Though, in the home stretch of my academic career, I have no idea what I want to do with my life, other than sophomore citizens, of course. Um, Particularly during quarantine, I find myself running and reading. And having a lot of fun. Yeah, that's great, Jeej. And I'm Liesl. I'm Gigi's older sister. I am 23 years young, and I recently <laughs> graduated from NYU. And now I work at a nonprofit that helps with children's literacy. Um, during the quarantine, as Gigi said, we've been focusing on our reading and our running, self improvement, and also quarantine sort of inspired us to reignite our idea of starting a podcast so that's kind of where sophomore citizens came in and maybe we can spend a minute just explaining the name of sophomore citizens and kind of our idea behind that uh jeej actually brought up uh this idea about sophomore and what it means jeej do you want to unpack that sure so i first introduced the sophomore podcast simply as as the uh name that succeeded the Opinionated Podcast, which is pulling from way back in the archives. I suggested Sophomore Podcast because I had a professor a couple years ago who explained to us that the word sophomore is the combination of two Greek words, which mean like wise fool or wise baby. And it's supposed to be, you know, as the second year of the four years of either high school or college, you are still on the younger side, but you're wiser than those fresh babies, you know? And so I felt that that was representative of where we're at. We're not totally babies. We're not dum-dums, but we still are you know emerging adults who don't really know what the heck we're doing and so it just felt right that we would be wise babies or wise fools sharing our opinions and talking about what's going on in our lives so for a hot sec there we were the sophomore podcast and somewhere in the process Liesl had suggested sophomore citizens as a play on words of senior citizens So it really has been a a building process to get to where we are with the name, but I think we all feel more than confident 
that this is the name that feels right. Oh, yes. This is our name. This is our name. Yeah. This is us. This is us. Mm-hmm. We're the sophomore citizens. And I think that also just the word citizen, like, means that we're part of a greater community. And I feel like that's kind of part of what we want to discuss in our podcast. And we decided that each episode we're each going to bring up a controversial opinion or a hot topic or something that we kind of want to chat about and we'll discuss it. I think sometimes maybe the topics will be a little bit more serious and sometimes they'll be more funny and silly and just kind of random things that we feel like chatting about and we also want our listeners to participate in our conversation and let us know what they think about our different opinions and the different topics that we bring up. So we're so excited to get started um, on our controversial opinions for this week. So I will be starting. My controversial opinion is that I think in college, school spirit is highly overrated. I so disagree with you. It's funny because I think that we each have relatively different experiences with school spirit in the collegiate realm. Liesl being an NYU graduate, arguably the least, you know, conventional college experience that you can, you can get, um, or close to it. And Lily going to University of Wisconsin, Madison. Is it one of the top 10, whatever the heck, football? Spirited. Spirited. <laughs> no, I haven't um, studied the list of top spirited universities. But let's just, let's just no, say I'm that. Just saying, let's go with it. No, no, like, no. It's, yes, it's always in the top. No, no, like, you know the like big 10 like football. I actually heard that Spoon University named it the number one um, most spirited university. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, then yeah, we're, we're, at, we're top. We're number one. Absolutely. Um And... For myself, I would say Cal Poly falls in this sort of weird in-between space, Um, especially because also, like, it's sort of a weird name. Like, even when I'll tell people, I go to Cal Poly Southern, they're like, I'm sorry, what? You go to a polytechnic (laughs) university? What is that? Um, And I think there's also just, like, our sports aren't spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. And so the school spirit sort of comes from other aspects of the experience rather than like the tailgating and the cutesy outfits and you know all of that stuff so I think that we each have a very unique take on this topic and I think I'll let Liesl first give some sort of argument or evidence for supporting her claim yeah let me unpack a little bit what I mean when I say that I think school spirit is highly overrated I feel like school pride is different than just school spirit and I think that like having a sense of community and like friendship and pride about like the school that you go to is a really beautiful powerful thing however I feel like you know school spirit becomes this like territorial show-offy competitive thing and I think that like a lot of high school students including myself like I remember being like yeah I want to go somewhere that has school spirit like I want to like rep somewhere you know really spirited and then I ended up going to NYU which is as Gigi was saying like a city school experience it's not like a traditional campus lifestyle um so some people might argue that there's like little school spirit but I think that there is a sense of like school pride you know and like especially with our alumni network and everything like 
there is a strong sense of community, like, and you can definitely find that and access it, even though it's in an unconventional way. So that's why I feel like school spirit in this just like generic, let's just say no shade, but like USC, Trojan, tailgate, you know, vibe, I feel like that is overrated. And I think a lot of people prioritize that in their college decision process a little too much. I think that the distinction between pride being an overwhelmingly positive feeling towards your own school and spirit sometimes taking on this competitive nature, like versus, this versus yeah. mentality. Yeah. I, and Lily, I'm sure that you can speak about this because the only experience that I have, at least in my college experience, with the competitive thing is we have one soccer game a year against UCSB and it's kind of a big thing but like not really um and I just don't really see the the value in that necessarily and even thinking back to high school when we would play the three of us played lacrosse together in high school and when we would play a certain (laughs) high school that shall not be named you know there was such a strong sense of like we're gonna beat them into the dirt like you know whatever we gotta do to crush their souls Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And, like, even now when I hear about someone going to that high school, like, there's, like, a little pit of anger. Oh, Like, in my soul. And so I think that, again, like, there is some fun in that, but I don't necessarily see that aspect of it as more valuable than the pride aspect. And, like, I feel a lot of CP pride. CP pride, quote, unquote, is something that my friends and I throw around frequently. Yeah. And it's, I think, especially as a Cal Poly student going in, I think a lot of kids wind up there being like, oh, it just sort of was happenstance, you know, like I didn't really set out to go to this school, but here I am and, you know, I'm repping California through and through. And I think that the pride emerges from a, a, a place of like, well, this place is actually lit. You know what I mean? But like, it's it unexpectedly, it takes you by surprise how much you wind up feeling fond of the the school and of the town and of the people that you're with, and that's where the pride comes from. But of course, there. I think. Sorry that I feel like now I'm rambling a little bit, but um, especially coming from a school that has had its fair share of scandals. Um, you know, as a lot of large universities do, it sometimes can feel, I don't want to say embarrassing, but like shameful to then take pride in your school that you're like, I don't necessarily stand for some of these values or for some of the actions that have been taken against these scandals or these, you know, um, like, I don't want to say hate crimes, like, um, it, racially charged incidences yeah okay here's how i feel so obviously i'm not for the gross competitive side Uh, that's not really me but especially going to school so far away obviously wisconsin is so far from california and i didn't really know anyone going into school the school spirit and such a strong sense of pride has made me feel more at home because I feel like I have my Wisconsin squad. So yes, when I'm cheering for the football team to like beat the other football team to the dust and freaking crush their souls, that, you know, if I take a step back and look at it, is probably not 
the most positive thing, but it does really make me feel like I have a community and I love how connected I feel to anyone who has gone to my university, goes to my university, is going to my university. So that is why I love my school pride. But I struggle to know whether that's school pride or school spirit. So I don't really know where I draw the line at that. Something about the way that you've described it in this sort of geographical sense is highlighting to me that you know, I, I understand that I am biased in saying this, but I think that places such as California and New York City are desirable enough locations that there doesn't need to be... And I, I get that it, it, it comes down to a, a like feeling of, of comfort and hominess that you were looking for, um, but like I wouldn't describe Madison, Wisconsin as the most exciting, exhilarating Nor place to be. No. And so it's like... I think a lot of our, and when I say our, I mean myself and Liesl's love for our colleges and our pride comes from the place and the location and all that there is to enjoy out of the the place itself. Whereas like for you, Lily, Madison, Wisconsin may not offer that feeling of community and hominess or whatever. And so you look to the school pride or the school spirit for some of that you know, sensation. Yeah. I see that. Yeah. I would say, like, at the end of the day, moral of the story is if you're, you know, a freshman citizen listening to this podcast (laughs) and you're trying to decide on where to go to college, you know, definitely look at how people feel towards the school and what sort of pride and community there is. But I think, you know, you can consider school pride and, like, people just being proud of their community that they've built as a little bit more important than just like, oh, do people tailgate? Or, oh, do people like, you know, go to the football games and stuff? I think that like, there's something deeper there that's really powerful and that people should like be looking for. And trying to also build like at schools that maybe don't have as much pride. Like I'm sure there's a lot of smaller schools where people don't really feel like necessarily proud to like go there. But like try to build that at your school and like create a sense of community that people can like feel strongly about, even if it's not that conventional football games, tailgating vibe. So I think that was a great little uh, introduction, discussion. Lily, do you want to bring it in with your controversial opinion? Okay, this isn't necessarily a controversial... This is just a topic. So this is inspired by the recent Scott Disick, Sophia, Richie breakup, because they obviously have an age gap of, I think, um, 16 years so I just wanted to discuss age gap relationships, um, whether we stick to this one or talk about some other ones that can be that. But, you know, I sh- I'm i not in an age gap relationship. <laughs> I am the same age as Sophia Richie, though, and the thought of dating a 37-year-old man who could literally be my father. Uh, actually, I don't think he could be my father, <laughs> but could almost be my father is a little off-putting so that let me start with that what does anyone else have to say yeah I think um this is a topic that I have a lot of feelings about but it's so hard because it's not black and white and it feels like it's such a case-by-case basis sort of situation where I find some age gap relationships 
a little creepy, a little weird, and especially like Lily was saying, when you're the age of the younger participant and you put yourself in those shoes, you're like, what the heck? Like, how is that happening? Um, and there was a girl who went to my uh, middle school who I knew, um, and she was dating Brody Jenner. And oh. I found that really creepy and weird. Um, and I just... Because it was, like, not even just a girl who's my same age, but, like, a girl who I literally went to school with that she was dating this much older guy who only dates much younger girls. I think there's... It's the, it's the serial age yeah, gap daters that yeah, you have to watch out for. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, Leo DiCaprio, as he ages, continuing to stay at a 20 <laughs> to 25 range feels alarming. Yeah. And I think that, like, Gigi and I have an interesting perspective because our parents are divorced. Um... And, you know, both of our parents have dated different people and especially our dad has dated a variety of ages. He's dated older than himself and much younger than himself, to be honest. And even at one point was not being completely transparent with us about the age of his partner. Um, And, you know, it took a while for us to adjust to the idea of being closer in age to our dad's partner than he was. Um, but I think that if you met my dad, he sort of has the spirit of a 20 something. Um, even some of my friends from college, like recently met my dad and they were like, he feels like being around somebody who's our age, which is a little unusual. But if you think about it that way and think, you know, we don't know Leonardo DiCaprio, like we don't know what he's like. He could have a very youthful energy And in these relationships, it it could just make sense. And I think that there is something to be said about relationships requiring that compatibility that could transcend age. Yeah. Um, And I think that when you know the individuals, it's a lot easier to justify the situation based on their attributes and how those fit together versus from afar it looks weird it's it's a lot easier to be judgmental about it um but specifically in the case of scott disick and sophia ritchie i feel like i um you know felt uncomfortable i think the way that a lot of people did about it when it first you know broke but I mean, and she was just like nineteen, right? When they right. started the whole dating. thing, and it's also I think that that is a particularly sensitive sensitive case, considering he has children with a woman who is like right around his age, and to me, that just must be such an a bizarre dynamic. Yeah, to have like Courtney's little sister Kylie is the like, same age, like it was friends with her. Yeah. Like yeah. it's so bizarre. But on the flip side to that, like I feel slightly more understanding of their situation considering Sophia Richie grew up in a similar kind of environment you know growing up in the spotlight to a certain extent and around individuals that are of a similar kind of lifestyle it making more sense and I think especially considering their relationship was I don't want to say it was long lasting but it, it it existed for a decent amount of time and to me that signals that it's not just like some super gross situation like there must have been some 
redeeming qualities to the relationship that benefited them both. And also, I mean, anyone who watches Keeping Up with the Kardashians can see clear as day that Scott Disick it has the maturity of a 15-year-old. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, it, it comes as no surprise that he would go after a girl that's around her age. I just don't understand, like, how... Like, to me, the a key component to a good relationship is each party challenging and pushing the other to become a better person and that there are traits in both people involved that the other find admirable and I just don't know totally see where that where that would fall in a relationship like Sophia Ritchie and Scott Disick okay well bouncing off of that and to bring it back to uh the name of this podcast sophomore Lily I was gonna say the same thing I'm gonna argue that if you're in the same phase of life so if they're both in their sophomore phase of life and honestly if we chunk life up into four different levels of freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. They're probably both sophomore and like we're being generous. Oh my gosh, we should have them on the podcast because they're fellow sophomores. Oh yeah, let me just call her up. I did, we did actually see her at Nobu once. (laughs) Oh my gosh, so you have the numbers. Yeah, I actually, yeah, we have the connects. Um, but like we're being generous that like you can date someone within a, what is that, like a 25 year range. You're good. (laughs) <laughs> the sophomore citizen podcast we we grudgingly approve but uh, if you're if you're exceeding that generational gap of someone who's already in their junior year of life i think because that's where i just i don't see that you can do the pushing the making better that you were talking about jay that it just uh, you don't seem too compatible i'm sh- there are exceptions to that like everything i'm sure um you know i've also just thought of something what another couple that comes to mind? Erica Jane and her ancient <laughs> boyfriend, <laughs> husband. If, if husband, you, sorry. Please, if you haven't watched the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, please just Google Erica Jane husband. <laughs> just look at the photos. Take that, it all. That in. will give you context. So when I think of that coupling as well, that simply can they cannot be in the same. It's got to be senior citizen. She's a senior citizen, and she's a junior. She's citizen. like a pretty young, like a younger junior. Sure. So I mean, like. They also, you know, getting some look into their dynamic on the on the show. Um, they seem to have a little something something right. going. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I feel like their relationship highlights this dynamic of older, rich, powerful man, younger, good looking woman, and this is something we see across the board. Where are the cougar age gaps? Like, the long-lasting ones. Can anyone think of one? Of a long-lasting woman is older, is what you're trying to say? Considerably older woman. I mean, it's just not a pattern you see. It's just not a pattern you see. Because, in my opinion, this is controversial. (laughs) Like, women are a little smarter and more mature than men. And I think that that's why men can age down, you know, with with women. And women can age up. And and women typically want to date men who are older like throughout or or the same age throughout most of life because you know women have a certain maturity about them generally speaking I'm not saying all women are more mature than all men but women sort of have like a little bit more of a maturity level where I think a 40 year old woman when I think about what a typical 40 year old woman has experienced in her life she is not like getting into a long-term relationship with a 23 year old boy 
You know? Certainly not. She's having fun with her 23-year-old boy. Right. And it's and it's short-lasting and then it's over. Like, if that's what she wants to totally. do. Totally. Um, so that that is an interesting question, Jeej, to ask about, like, how we do see in Hollywood, like, we see these older men who do stay with younger women for at least two, three, four years. Or indefinitely. Or indefinitely. Yeah. It's crazy. All right. I think that we um, sufficiently covered that. Lily, do you I have... so, too. A final statement on age gap relationships. Um, no, I mean, I think we covered it. Yeah. My final statement. Okay, Jeej. Do what you want. Yeah, you do you, of course. And I think that that's something we'll probably come back to a lot on this podcast. Of course. You know, we're not here to judge, um, except we are. That's actually <laughs> our job. So uh, sorry if we judged you today and we still love you anyway. All right, Gigi, we have been waiting for her controversial opinion. She has had this brewing in her head for a couple weeks now. Get Get it it with us. So, like most of America and the world at large. Wow, okay. My dear sister and I have been watching movie after movie after movie during quarantine. It's what keeps us going. Yeah. So, one fateful afternoon, we are scrolling through Netflix, trying to decide what we'd like to view. And we see The Social Network. A movie I think I've seen once or twice before, but, you know, didn't remember the details of. And I thought, okay, yeah, that's got Justin Timberlake. I feel good about it. Let's let's have a viewing party. So, as we're watching, and I watch, you know, Mark Zuckerberg rise to the top with his breakthrough website the facebook yeah its origin story really centers around the college experience and and sort of maximizing the social aspect of the college experience with the use of technology right and and in in a lot of cases streamlining it like for example relationship status which in the movie is sort of this funny little part where this guy is like, oh, I wonder if Jessica in my econ class is single. And Mark Zuckerberg realizes that should be plastered. You know, it's not like everyone walks around with a sign that says single or in a relationship. Let's slap that on your Facebook. Exactly. So essentially, I, you know, am thinking back to my own personal experiences with Facebook. I recall Lily and I in sixth grade being like, it's time. It's, or maybe it was 7th. Was it 7th? It was on my 13th birthday okay, ex- because Gigi, her birthday is before mine. So she was 13 a few months before I was. And you need to be 13 to and legally we're, make we're your Facebook. And we're rule followers here at Sunday. We Wednesday. are rule followers. So I remember we did my birthday festivities and then we sat down at the computers next to each other and made our faces. And this was not the first time Lily and I had sat down at the computers. We spent our childhood playing computer games <laughs> left and right. We're not novices here. We, t- we plop our butts down and we're getting right to it on Facebook. And of course, it's exhilarating mm. getting to create a profile, getting to stalk others, post photos. And I'm just immediately transported back to this utopian social networking experience. What in the world is your controversial topic? So the controversial topic is that at its core... Facebook is the single best social networking site. Now, I understand that may not be the case today. Liesl and I just the other day were talking about how 
fucking annoying it is. I've just realized we haven't cursed yet, and here it is. Yeah, we're trying <laughs> to be fucking a- annoying. Oh, wow. <laughs> it is that Facebook is literally scrounging for people to hop on there, telling me, "Oh, Lily Zoller commented on Liesel's post." No, but like it's not even Lily Zoller. It's like Joe Schmo, who you friended <laughs> in seventh grade, made a post. That's a notification now. <laughs> And, of course, I'm like, get out of here with that Facebook. I don't want any of this crap. The only reason I still even consider giving you a shred of my attention is because there's events. And, I mean, even in in COVID, there's zero events. (laughs) So, Facebook, you're useless to me at this time. But this conversation is supposed to be centered around the fact that Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, Tumblr, whatever, TikTok, none of them have the centralized stalking capabilities that Facebook once had. The fact that you could go onto someone's Facebook and just get lost. No, their date of birth, every relationship they've ever been in, every friend they've ever had. You On Facebook, you could go on there and you could find out everything you need to know about a person. And you can't do that on Instagram because the bio is like four words and you have to scroll back to even just find their birthday. Or if you're trying to find out if they're in a relationship, you have to go to like anniversary post. Like it's not an easy streamlined system. And on top of that, it's like Facebook was a place where I would argue there is a more authentic representation of your life because there are so many different types of posts and ways that you can interact with the website and the app. Whereas like... Instagram is so highly curated these days and I just don't feel like I can get an accurate read on someone on Instagram right or even Twitter sometimes Facebook was the place where you could put all your photos all your reposted links all your thoughts you'd be like I'm, I'm hungry right now, I'm hungry right now. <laughs> or feeling tired like my status for a truth is and you get that juicy fucking gossip on people's pages right there what what's better than that and you know I'm not saying that we can go back to those golden ages but there's a part of me that wishes that we could can you please tell me what your topic is because I really am still unsure did I not clearly are you state just are you <laughs> saying that Facebook is the best social networking site at its at its core yes like okay when we when we strip it down yes and really okay. think about it okay I have some counterpoints on at its core I agree with you right now Jeej. I think that there's two main things that that I want to say first thing is that Facebook has a lot of sus stuff around it like a lot of scandal a lot of information hacking a lot of stealing your data there's a lot of controversy con excuse me controversy on Facebook um and I think that that is one major issue on Facebook that genuinely no other social platform has like they just don't have the level of scandal that Facebook has had. And maybe that's just because it's been around so long. The other thing that I think is because Facebook does everything, it doesn't do anything that well. It's like Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> it's a little like Cheesecake <laughs> menu Factory. menu is too big. Nothing's that good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Lily. You know, the menu is 17 pages. And so none of the dishes are really shining. In no the, specialties. There's, yeah, I mean. Except Skinnylicious. The Skinnylicious <laughs> menu is pretty great. But, um, you know, so it's like Instagram is able to just focus on images. You know, that's that's it. 
the another thing about Facebook that I think really contributed, in my opinion, to its just like dumpster fire downfall <laughs> yeah. is um the video content on there. There was a point where you could only go on Facebook and you would only see videos. Like tasty ran- BuzzFeed. Random tasty BuzzFeed and just video, <laughs> video, video, video. And it's like if I wanted to watch videos from random people, I would go to YouTube. Like I want to see people posting albums. I want to see people posting their opinions. Like it became not about real people and totally. it became more about like ran- posting random ass videos. And also, I mean, of course... The introduction of advertisements totally contributed to the dumpster fire. Right. Lil, what do you think? I don't use Facebook that much currently. But here's what I have to say. Is that when I think of a social networking site, I think of a place that connects people and builds or rebuilds relationships. And I feel like because Facebook you have tons of friends and all of the capabilities, like you said, Liesl, really big menu, no specialty. (laughs) I don't think that I, I mean, I'm also not that old in the grand scheme of the world, only a sophomore. Um, I, it has led me to link and build. Whereas other social networking sites, for example, I mean, I am an avid and obnoxious user of Snapchat. So I'm going to talk about that for a second. Has strengthened my relationships with people by keeping me in constant contact with them and on Facebook I don't feel like and but well okay I don't feel like that's happening but whether that's because it fell and so people aren't as active on it or if it's just because you have so many friends and such a wide like age range of friends on Facebook I don't feel that I'm really linked to my Facebook friends in the same way that I feel like I'm a little more connected to my Instagram friends and way more connected to my Snapchat friends because that's a one-on-one sort of deal. But I do think that Facebook has incredible stalking capabilities and I think that's pretty hard to refute. But mm, I don't know, I'm on the fence. I I think that you touched on something really true, Lily, that like there's this ubiquity with Facebook. It's like you're friends with everyone, your family friends, your random cousins, like people you barely know you have on Facebook. And I think that when that started to happen, where it wasn't just like everyone I know from school, when it became my aunts and my uncles and my grandparents and whatever, you're less likely to want to share like your authentic self on that platform. Like I don't want to post like an album of like a college party on Facebook anymore because I don't want my aunt like commenting on it, you know? And I feel like Instagram and Snapchat and now even TikTok, like they get to be more exclusive and more, they've, they've maintained this like young audience generally, you know? And that's not to say like there aren't parents on Instagram, but it's, it's less like, oh, I would have my aunt Becky on my Instagram, you know? But this is such a, it's such a tricky topic and I'm really curious to see where social media continues to go because I would almost like to see a new platform, like you're saying, Jeech, that gives us like a little bit more information or, or if Instagram was able to kind of find a way, especially like with events, I would love for events to leave Facebook so I never have to go on there, you know, but it doesn't really work on any other sites. And I think that as you're saying, we really, 
we look forward to seeing where social media will go because it would be naive to assume that Instagram, Snapchat are sticking around forever as we know them. Right. Um, and I really do think and I hope that there is room for another platform to take center stage that does do a better job of providing the a more authentic experience and being able to present yourself in a more authentic way um, that does really give people the opportunity to connect with each other in a meaningful way. Because I think that we're kidding ourselves if we think that social media is really like making us more connected and and helping us have meaningful interactions with each other. Right. Because I can agree, like even for example... As Lily is saying, we definitely use Snapchat in different ways, but like there are friends who let's just say I see their Snapchat story or something. It's pretty um, like non-threatening for me to just respond to their story or something like that. And even a small interaction like that with someone from high school, let's say, I appreciate getting to have that small moment with them to be like, oh, hey, I, I, I am thinking of you or this made me feel something or whatever, that I otherwise would not have had any interaction if it required me going out of my way to text or call or see that person. Um, But at the same time, me responding to someone's story is not what I would consider a meaningful interaction. Right. Definitely. Well, I think we opened up a really good conversation about like, should we bring Facebook back? How should we continue to use Facebook? Is Facebook the best? These are all really, I think vital questions to humanity Um, and I'm really glad that we got to discuss those today. I feel like we had a great first episode. I think Lily, Gigi, and I are really excited to continue to grow and learn on this podcast and at the end of the day we really just want to have fun, record our conversations, share them with other people and we really hope that at least some people listen to this episode and enjoy it and maybe share their opinions um, on these topics on our Instagram that we have or Um, in the reviews or whatever platform, let us know what you think about these topics. Um, I think at the end of each episode, we might want to share some recommendations or tell you some things that we've been watching, listening to, reading, etc. So I have decided what um, the recommendation of the end of our first podcast will be, which is the book and slash or the TV series Normal People. Um, So this was a book that I first read, I think in like December or January, and um, I really liked it. I didn't like absolutely love it, like live for die, live and die for it, Um, but I really liked it. And I ended up recommending Gigi and Lily to read it. And then I think when Lily read it is when we actually found out that it was being made into a series, um, a TV show on Hulu. So that kind of made us even more excited, and I think it's really fun to compare a book to a TV show and kind of get both of those mediums and then get to discuss it with your friends. Um, So I would definitely recommend reading the book and watching the TV show. And especially because I sort of had the opinion that the TV show and the book were really good representations of one another and that they were kind of like equally good in my mind. Lily? I did not love the TV show. I mean, I didn't absolutely love the book, but I would absolutely say that I liked the book much better than the TV show. Yeah, and I think that there's other people who would say they, like, loved the TV show and didn't like the book. 
So that is um, our recommendation for you all. And maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it in the next episode or maybe not. All right. Well, this is us signing off on the first episode of Sophomore Citizens. Oh my gosh. Woo! Can't believe we finally did it. We've been talking about starting a podcast for so long. So we're so happy. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.